Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night from the light above. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. You are listening to the... 4th of July episode of We Do Recover, episode 86. I am your host with the beautiful voice, Jared Miller. No? No no agreement or claps? Okay, that's all right. We'll move on. And I'm joined, thank you, Sean, and I'm joined by Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan is the owner and executive director of High Desert Counseling and the Access Center. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks. And Mike's being a good sport. He's rocking the, the 4th of July glasses. I think you look better than I do in a man. Yeah, I, I'm used to wearing stuff like this, so <laughs> it's not a big deal. Nice. We're going to get to Mike. Before that, though, episode 86, part one is brought to us by Steps Recovery Centers, where they are ready to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you're ready to reach out. Reach out to them by calling them at 801-800-8142, or you can go to their website at stepsrc.com. They have people standing by ready to help you or a loved one again as soon as you're ready to make that decision to get some help. All right. Well, let's get into it, Mike. Most people I feel like come on here because, you know, they're excited to meet Dr. Sellers. And Doc, have you met Dr. Sellers? Uh-huh. Dr. Sellers isn't here today, so you just got me. I apologize about that. Yeah, I was hoping he was here. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Uh, I, I feel like we could probably take the holiday glasses off oh. at this point. They're starting to steam in mine. So let's talk about, I, I kind of stalked you on Facebook, right? When, when we talked and you agreed to come on. And I noticed that you, there was a post, a pretty funny, goofy post. I actually loved it, saying that you got 14 years. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where that photo came from. <laughs> But it was uh, my daughter and I playing the princess game, and whoever gets dressed up first wins. So I clearly won that round, and <laughs> somebody picked picked that picture yes. up somewhere. <laughs> somebody found that, and I loved it. It was awesome. So you know what they say, Mike, in, in the in the rooms. Tell us how you did it. Mm. Uh, it's not that simple, but but it is. Um, <sighs> I don't you, mean to put you on the spot. This isn't no, going to be like a, no, all about yeah, your story, but no. let's get you, to know Mike a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I did it. It, it was pretty simple, really. A lot of people um, uh, finally stood up and uh, said something to me and uh, reached out when I couldn't really pick myself up and uh, brought to... Brought brought these things to my attention that I, I that I knew, but I didn't really want to look at, and um, it was really tough. It was really difficult. Um, this was uh, in two thousand eight, and uh, or in two thousand seven. So there was a. Uh, I walked into the room at my family's house, and there was all these people there, and oh, so they pulled an intervention. Uh, well, on. I I wasn't sure what that was at the time, and there okay. was just a, a lot of people there, you know, and. Oh, sweet. Hey, Uncle this and Aunt that. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. And, and then I got in there and saw saw a gentleman that I knew very well. Um, and I said, oh, my gosh, I've seen this on TV before. You're like, this isn't just a family yeah, reunion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it was an intervention and uh, a successful one. I caved. I was ready. I So I went off and uh, had, a, had a successful treatment experience. It wasn't long after though that um, I felt really good and felt like I um, could just move on. And uh, within months, I was back to what I was doing, mm. within months. And um, you know, they, they, they always say, you know, it's, it's always waiting for you when you're ready, you know? And it was definitely waiting and it got bad. Um, it got to the point where, um, I, how long had it been going on kind of before? Like, I don't want to spend too much time in the problem, but, um, nine months, 
and share as much or as little as you're comfortable yeah, with. What was it that sure. you struggled with? Heroin and cocaine. Okay. Yep. Um, I needed one without the other, and then I needed them both together to function. Sure. You know? yeah. And, uh, and um, I just knew, uh, you know, finally family uh, were, were done. I was cut off. Um, they left me, you know, good luck in life, hope it works out kind of thing. And I was left in the streets of Salt Lake where I was unfamiliar with. It's where I went to treatment, so I kind of stayed um, hoping to regain a new life. And Because you're from southern Utah, Yeah, I'm right? from here in so St. George. So you went to treatment up in, up in, in North. Salt Lake. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. And um, I just remember uh, uh, calling my sister, and, and I had that uh, uh, gut feeling that I knew if I didn't do something that day that I was going to die. Um, phys- I mean, I was, I was, uh, depleted, but I, I just knew that I was, I wasn't going to make it through the night. And, uh, she, she was my saving grace, came, picked me up and took me to the hospital. And, uh, that was the, that was the start of my, um, journey into really taking it serious and taking a look at, okay, I've done this before, but what do I need to do different this time? Cause I definitely don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I find that I, I, I can totally relate. And I find that interesting, right? Because I had two kind of treatment attempts. The first one, I wouldn't necessarily call it treatment, though. I just thought, like I'm sure a lot of people think, I just need to detox. Mm. All I really need is a little bit of detox, and then I can go back to work, and I got these bills I got to pay, and this and that, and a family, right? And, and I didn't really understand, like you're talking about now, the full grasp of it's a lifestyle change, man. Yeah. You got to completely change your whole lifestyle. So, so yeah, I, did you have a little bit of that the first time around too? And it kind of bit you in the yeah, butt? Yeah, I had more of a, <clears throat> I just felt really good the first time physically, you know, and I had some spiritual moments and I was resting on that, you know, going to the gym and feeling yoked and, and just feeling really good about myself physically, you know, mm-hmm. looking back. So this, this next attempt was, um, uh, a good friend of mine said some harsh words and he said, if you really are interested in this, you got to do everything different. And I said, well, yeah, of course. And he said, no, no, no. Like if you dry off the, ta- you, you know, out of the shower this way, you do it the other way. And I said, whoa, to that extent. And he says, yes, you change everything. Cause you're trying to reprogram everything that you cemented in over the years. And so he says, if you focused on your physical side last time you were working out and this and that, try not doing it this time, you know, or do everything different. And I said, wow, okay. So my second attempt at treatment was um, quite different. Um, It forced me inward instead of a lot of the things I was focused on the time before, which were outward. When you went back to treatment for a second time, did you feel like pretty defeated? Was there like this, oh my gosh, because I know negative self-talk is a huge thing, right? When I work with my clients, it's like, oh man, I've failed. I've, I'm back here again. Was there any of that type of, um, in, yeah. Cause I came to in the psych unit three weeks after I was dropped off Oh wow! and I didn't know that. So, um, and I don't know what happened in that time frame. Um, all I do know that it was bad enough to that. I ended up in the psych unit and unit and three weeks later I came to, so I don't remember a lot, but I just remember thinking, I don't belong here, and um, this is serious, so mm-hmm. I need to take it serious. And, uh, and not that I don't belong there, meaning I'm different. Uh, I, I don't belong here like, holy crap, I got to take this serious. Right. You know, if I don't, you know, if I want to do the deal. Like, this is my reality if yep, I don't change. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So this time you're doing it different. Yeah. Trying yeah. to do something completely yeah. different than the last time. Yeah. Um, when you said you, you, you had to kind of look inward and work inward, what does that mean to you? So I was, um, I just felt conscious, you know, the second time around, I felt really felt conscious and I felt, um, not as, um, impulsive to my needs. And I really just tried to pay attention to the, the comparison of what I did the time before to I just didn't want to go back. I was scared to death. Mm. I was scared to death. And so, um, you know, I'm smarter than I look, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so I really started to look at um, 
people around me and what they were doing and then how I responded. And, um, you know, just like we've seen and just like we've experienced, you know, we can, we can really attach to what we're not getting and what we think we need and really focus on that. And that can kind of bring us down. And that's what I kind of did the first time around. And that's what I saw a lot of people do around me the second time around. So, um, by doing that, I just really tried to not stay to myself, but really just kind of look at my part in, in all things. Um, it almost sounds like, like you had, you lost some gratitude in the first, because yeah. when you were saying that, I feel like that's so big. And I just want to take a second to kind of sit in that because oftentimes when we have to start over and rebuild our lives, it's, oh, I could be here. I should be here. I should be making this much money. I should have this type of a job. Yeah. Is that kind of the, yeah. the narration yeah. is going on in yeah. your mind at the time? For sure. For sure. So the second time around. Yeah, it was just, it felt different. I wanted it different, um, but I was just kind of letting it come as it, as it came instead of trying to go get it, you know, cause I'm, I'm a very um, strong personality and I'm, uh, yeah. And so I just tried to really settle in and, and absorb what was in front of me. I mean, there was times, well, I remember I was a week, maybe two weeks, about a week before I was, I was going to leave and the counselor came up to me and they said, Hey, um, we should probably meet while you're here. And since you're about to leave, we should probably do it soon. <laughs> and I said, yeah, if you, if you want, that, that'd be great. So you hadn't been meeting with the counselor? Well, and that's not really the point, you know? And the point okay. was my head was, it was in a little bit better place of, uh, I wasn't worried about how I was being treated or what I needed. I just needed to be present and be okay, you know? And uh, when I could have definitely complained about a lot of things, sure, yeah. I just, I couldn't because I didn't want to go back I was full excuses, man. I mean, I wore a white shirt and tie to work to, you know, every day. Yeah. I mean, so that, I was different, you know, and that kept me sick for a long time. Looking for the differences instead of the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling like you're kind of above this. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. I can, I can relate, man. I, so it, weird as it is, I didn't struggle or have a substance abuse problem until after I had a bachelor's degree and after I'd been a teacher and a coach for a number of years. And so, you know, here I am going to treatment. And by the time I hit rock bottom, I'd been homeless for a while. Right. And like, mm. anyways, um, I did that too. I looked around and I was like, I'm more educated than these people. Yeah. I'm this, I'm that I've, I've achieved these things in life. And, and so I can relate, man. Yeah. But I had to get humble. Yeah. Right. I've, I, through the group process, I got fed yeah. some humble pie a timer yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Oh Yeah. I think what the nail, so I, I felt like I was doing, a, the, 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 my experience was a little different that time, but re, what really sunk in the nail is a few days before I was supposed to leave, I got a phone call that um, a first cousin of mine, we were same age, um, spent a lot of time together in, in our addiction, um, was, had just overdosed, mm. and um, they were about to pull the plug and wanted me, wanted wanted me to be there or asked if I wanted to be there. And I, at that moment, everything that I thought I knew, like it went away. Like it, I knew nothing at that point. And I just, I got sick and, um, you know, I didn't want to leave. I couldn't leave. And they said, um, if you, it would be beneficial if you can have some family here so you can get some closure. Yeah. So if you can get family here to take you down, say goodbye, go to the funeral and come back, that would be really beneficial and you can work through that. I said, what, whatever you want me to do. So I did, and I don't know if you've ever seen anybody on life support, but it's very violent. It's very, very violent. And um, I saw myself sitting there, mm. you know, in that bed and I, uh, um, it, it hurt, it hurt bad. And uh, we were able to make some amends, which was really cool. Um, we were able, I was able to go to the funeral, had a really good experience, but it really sunk in the nail for me. Um, the, again, the reality of where I could be in a split second. Yeah. Like, like you said, you look at that, that hospital bed thinking that could totally be me sitting right yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. So I made it through, I came back, um, processed it. And then I asked them if I could restart the program. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't want to go back to where I came from at that point, experiencing that, like Jared, I, I'm telling you, I felt like I, I knew nothing at that point. And I think that was a real, 
good reminder that maybe, maybe some of what I was experiencing was a facade too. You know, I was really trying to like have a different experience and let me, instead of just having a different experience. And so, um, family got together and was able to financially make it happen. And I pretty much restarted the program in a whole different light and, and, and way. The same place that you were at in yeah. the first place though, yeah. right? Yeah. Did you go back to the same one that you started? <laughs> so I did. And, um, so I'm there just a few days and they said, Mike, you got to go. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, there's somebody here that you know that you guys aren't. This on, is when you restarted. Yeah. Oh. You guys aren't on good terms. I'm like, well, who is it? I'm still just fuzzy, you know? Right, and, right. Well, we can't tell you. And I'm like, well, just tell me. I'll make, no, you can't be here. He was here first. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm good. I can go home. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're going to another place. And that's the new place that I went for oh, the second okay. time. Yep. Got you. So, and then I re restarted that place. Yeah. Got you. Yep. So after you have this kind of awakening moment yeah. with your cousin, yeah. what, what do you feel like changed? Like, did you have a different experience than you had the first two times? Um, so my first time I didn't want to come back to St. George. All my wreckage was here, all the fear and shame and guilt, all the people I've let down. I mean, the monster was huge here. I mean, our family goes five generations mm. in, in, in Southern Utah. So there's no way I was coming back. I was goner. But the second time I just remember thinking my only option, if I, if I want to pull through long-term, I got to go back where my family is, where my support is. And I got to, I got to face it, right? you know, and I got to, I got to work through the monster because I belong, I belong here. So that was uh, another reminder, like, holy cow, considering that, or even having the guts to do that was um, pretty remarkable for a, a guy like me at that time. For our listeners though, that's a pretty like, you know, there's a little golden nugget right there. I feel like in, in our active addiction, we're running away from, we're hiding from, we're numbing out from, we're avoiding. Pretty cool that you came to the realization is, hey, if I'm going to be successful, I got to take this head on. I got to make some amends. I got to rebuild my life. Can't just run away from it. Yeah. And a lot of it, the credit goes to the people that were, that were around me. I, I, I ask constantly, what, what should I do? What do you see? How, how do I do it? I don't know what to do. And they told me and I did it. And it, it was tough, but I did it. And so, um, you know, I just followed through with the people that set me up to be successful. That's all. I love that, man. I do. So you get done, you come back. I mean, what did that look like? That had to have been, oh, you talk about freak. fear, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was about... a good fear that I felt like I, I could, I could confront, um, or at least start to confront, but, uh, I didn't know what to do. You know, I was just working for the family business. The plan was to continue that and one day take over and, what was the family uh, business? Uh, real estate and development, okay. you know, so f generational business. And, sure. uh, you know, I was good at it. I liked it. And, uh, but dad was like, you know what, Mike, you need to, you need to take a break. I don't know what you're going to do, but you need to, you need to just take it easy. Okay. And then I get a call from one of his buddies. Um, and he says, Mike, I heard you're looking for a job. I'm like, oh, Okay. And it was at a treatment center. And I'm like, what? I'm not qualified. I don't know. There's no, I how know much, nothing. How much time in recovery do you have at this point? Oh man, I got out like the end of July and start, or in, I got out in August and started in September. I Dang, mean, so, it, so a couple months. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had your experiences. Uh, yeah, but I didn't know that. I didn't know what that was really worth at the time. Okay. You no, know, I really didn't. Looking back though, you can see the value. Yeah, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So that, that was my introduction into, um, this industry. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's way cool. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, I saw it, listen, I was listening to a country song today and it was about like, uh, I, I've got some friends you've never heard of. Uh, some famous friends you've never heard of. And that, I'm like, that's what my guests are on my podcast. I feel like, you know, like we got Mike Keenan sitting here. Who's the owner of high desert counseling, right? Access foundation. So talk to me a little bit about how do you go from starting working at a treatment center after a couple months of getting out of one <laughs> to all these, for those of you that don't know, the access foundation is your sober living mm -hmm. houses, right? Yeah. Yep. Which is a huge asset to the Southern Utah. I mean, I feel like, we could use a dozen more of them. Correct. Oh, yeah. How do you make that transition, Mike? So um, I didn't belong in this industry in the beginning. I did not belong. Why do you say that? Ah, because, it, I mean, 
I didn't know nothing, first of all. Second of all, I was like overindulgent and just this bleeding heart and, oh my gosh, this is so rad. I can relate to these people. I mean, it found me, this industry found me. And uh, I just remember some guys they really looked up to that were superior, but, but professional colleagues. They said, Mike, if you, if you, you want to go the distance in this industry, you need to be careful. You know, you need to, you need to really find the balance of taking, taking on their stuff. I mean, again, I knew nothing yeah, and it no. was so easy just to get immersed in what everybody else was doing because I'd found this new way, you know? That's, oh man, does that hit home for me? So when I started doing my internship, right? Substance abuse counselor, for those of you who don't know, when I started doing my internship, uh, Shalee Webb actually was our clinical mm. director. And one day she comes into my office and, and it had been a rough week. It had been a really hard week, a lot of really hard conversations. And she, she said, Jared, you know, the tree at the top of the stairs. And I said, yeah, actually, you know, what does this have to do with anything? I got a, you know, I got a, you are, I got a right. Like, yeah, what's yeah, going on? Yeah. Right. And she's like, you need to start unpacking all the stuff that you take on throughout the day. Otherwise you're going to burn out. Mm. And that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Like, like you have to find any, so she was telling me that as she leaves work, she pictures all the, the heavy conversations she's had and she hangs them on the tree and then goes home and is a mom and a wife, yeah. right? And then when she comes back, she picks them back oh, up. I love that. And she visually goes through that process. That. that was some of the best advice I ever got. Yeah. Because it can get heavy. Yeah. It can get sticky. It yeah. can get, especially when there's uh, counter transference, mm -hmm. right? Like when you have people that are struggling with things that you struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway in the beginning was, you know, I was in a staff meeting, you know, just this green guy knew, knew nothing. And they came around to me and said, Mike, what, you know, what feedback do you have on this particular situation? I said, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't have anything thinking I'm just this, you know, low on the totem pole. And they said, then get out. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> if you can't contribute to this, you're useless to us. What are us. you doing sitting in the meeting? Yeah. And I'm like, and he took me afterwards and explained to me, but that shook me up. And I, I had to make a decision at that point, you know, can I do this or not? And, uh, you know, what did you think? Honestly, <laughs> though, I got to get this. What did you think in that moment? Right. Were you like, I was, uh, did you, did you like start to get up to leave or uh, were you like, yeah. okay, I got something. Oh yeah. I, I'm, well, I mean, I flushed out red and I just, Oh my gosh. Deer in the headlights. Oh man. I was, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was scared. I, you know, you know, just everything, the insecurities, the inadequacies. And, uh, you know, luckily it was kind of towards the end, but I just, I kind of just sat froze, you froze, know? Yeah. And then, um, anyway, he, he loved me and, uh, explained to me what he meant and it made sense. And, uh, but you said, just like you're saying it, it won't work out long-term if you, if you continue to do this. So, um, yeah, that, that was the beginning of my, uh, my other awakening. <laughs> That's cool, man. At the time, are you a tech? Or are you a case manager? What, yeah. What position are yeah. You um, all the above. I started going back to school cause I thought this is something that I really wanted to learn more about. Um, cause I was, um, interested in yeah. what the dynamics of everything, but I was also kind of interested in me and how my brain worked. So I needed to know a little bit more. So that's kind of when I started going back to school. And so I became a little bit better of an asset, you know, so I was doing a little bit of everything um, at that point, but yeah, tech, you know, aligned staff at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and that's the best way to figure out this industry is to get in at that starter oh, level. Yeah. Because listen, I, as a counselor now, when, when I get feedback from techs, those people that haven't worked as a tech, I feel like it's easy to blow people off. Yeah. But where I've worked as a tech, I listen. Yeah. Right. I take yep. in that feedback. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So that's awesome. We got about a minute and 15 seconds left here. Okay. So what I was thinking is in part two here, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the journey from that point on. The dream. Does that sound Absolutely. good? Absolutely. Cool. Where did you, where did you start to get back into school at? Uh, uh, well, I started at Dixie, got my associates, and then I went up to the U to start the social work program. Oh, so you uh, went right into the master's. You didn't go up so to the I got my So I did my Sud C simultaneous with the bachelor's of social work. So, and I finished at the same time. Way so, cool. Yeah. Yep. Way cool. Right on. So listen, this has been a fantastic episode. We got another part, part two coming up here after uh, a sponsorship mention. While I got you though, listen, please share this out, right? 
We are always trying to reach new people, spread a message of hope. So if you got a coworker, a friend, a family member that you know needs to hear these, these stories, these messages of inspiration, feel free, share them out, talk to people about it. It always helps. Uh, you can also contact us if you're interested in coming on as a guest at we do recover with Jared Miller at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this 30 second break from our sponsors. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become with the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, there's going to be no awkward singing in episode 86, part two. Sean, don't act like you didn't enjoy my singing, man. I'm taking steps up. You know, I sing happy birthday to... <laughs> to Dr. Sellers on his, you know, when he got 19 years clean. I'm just stepping my game up. Yeah, yeah. Oops, forgot my mic. I hit the wrong button. Can you say I'm not going to sing anymore? I'm not going to sing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make any promises. Yeah, that's right. We got to get Mike singing. What's your, so let's get into that, right? Like I totally missed new and goods, but we've decided, first of all, episode 86, part two is brought to us by the Hilton Garden Inn. Listen, it is always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden in St. George, Utah. And if you've never been to St. George, Utah, if you're listening to this from a different state, plan your next vacation in St. George, Utah. We have Zions in our backyard. There's tons of recreational stuff to do. If Zion. You, Zion. Thank you. Singular. What are you, not from here? Uh, I'm actually from northern Utah. Oh, that's you should know better, though. <laughs> Zion. If you, if you go to Michael Keenan's Facebook page and you follow this guy, he's always out biking. He's always out trail running. I mean, just that's the lifestyle down here, right? Um, you won't catch me running unless it's from a bear or the cops. But other than that, You're I'll be on my I'm bike. I'm making a liar? Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> stop telling lies here. He is, a, he is an avid cyclist, though. Anyways, Southern Utah is beautiful. So check out the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. Always sunny and bright. Go to Google. Give them a Google search. Thank you guys for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, it is the reason for the awkward seeing at the first, Sean, that I totally caught no, everybody off guard. I thought we were just going to erase that and put it away. No, no, you we're sang. talking about it. We're going to process that whole experience. <sighs> okay, go on. It's the 4th of July weekend, man. 4th of July weekend. So let's start this thing off. What, is, what are your plans, Sean Denovan, who doesn't have the cool 4th of July glasses for What's your plans for the 4th? Okay, I'm a horrible... Well, first off, i got to call my mom and wish her a happy birthday because it's her birthday on the 4th of July. Your mom's birthday is on the 4th? Yeah, wow. exactly, yep. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, with no fault of my own, I'm going to the Stadium of Fire thing up at the at the BYU's use thingy. We get, is it Tim McGraw playing up there or something like that? Does Utah Tech know you're stepping out on them? You know, that you're going to miss the, the Dustin Lynch concert? It. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah, man. So they're like, yeah, we're going to go to Provo. And I said, that sounds like all the things I want to do on my weekend. <laughs> Provo, BYU, country concert, 4th of July. You know, it's like, eh, yay. Yeah, you're going to be a happy yeah. guy. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> Sorry, those those are not in my wheelhouse. So. You're good. You're good. So so okay, Mike Keenan, what do you what what are the plans? These things I'm it's kind of hot in here and I'm like sweating, you know what I mean? So they start to fog up. I can only wear them for so long. What are your plans for the 4th, Mike? Not me. This is good. So I'm thinking a few things. Not sure what's going to stick, but my wife and I may be getting flag tattoos. That's one option. <laughs> um I don't know, man. Maybe burn something. Okay. No. I think we'll uh, 
I think we'll just hang hang low. We've been kind of uh, with the summer and the kids kind of doing a lot of different things. So I think we're going to hang out this weekend. Very nice. Yeah. Set off some fireworks, yeah, hopefully. just hang out and eat some popsicles and... Try to have a good time. There you go, buddy. I like it. I like it. Why does <laughs> why does Mike? What are you, what are you why, doing, man? Hold on, though. I have a I have a beef here for a minute. Oh. Why does Mike look so much cooler in the glasses than I do? Well, you kind of got the Elton John thing going on. You look. <laughs> put the put the glasses back on. Let me get the camera on you. All right. Let's let's check. You this look out. like Elton John. Do I? Yeah. It's the big glasses and the he he's wearing a hat. Fantastic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's got the cool hat on. That's it. So for the Fourth of July for me. Oh, so I am planning on barbecuing. So for those of you that don't know, I work for Steps Recovery Centers and uh, we're going to do a barbecue at our men's sober living house, which is pretty cool. I went and and I went and got the hamburgers today and I have this, my little brother does the best hamburgers, Mm. right? By fresh ground beef. He's got some onion mix in there and I can't give out the whole recipe because he'd kill me, but they're delicious. Mm. And so I got all the ingredients uh, to to do a little barbecuing at our sober living house. It's going to be fun, you know, it'll be, and then... At nighttime, when my wife gets off work, she has to work, unfortunately, on the 4th, uh, we're going to go to Dustin Lynch, the concert, and we're going to watch the rad fireworks that they do right above the Utah Tech Stadium. I'm stoked. 4th of July is my favorite. Yeah. 4th of July is my favorite holiday. Did you know on the 3rd of July, I pick up eight years clean? No way. Eight years, baby. Wow. It's been, it's been, it's, it's, it's crazy. Life's good today, man. Cool. Yeah. Well, fantastic. For those of you that are listening, type in the comments. What are, What's your 4th of July plans? I want to hear from you guys, right? Like, I want to know what's going on out there. Mm. Let's, let's jump back into your story, though, Mike. So just to recap a little bit, several treatment attempts, got a job working in treatment, high-pressure situation, you get asked to either make a comment or get out of the room. You, that's baptism by fire, oh, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, that oh, is yeah. baptism by oh, fire. Yeah. How do you, and, and I know today, sitting here in the studio today, you've got, you're an entrepreneur, man. You, you own a treatment center. You own some sober living houses. How do you go from being Mike Keenan, getting, you know, called out in a meeting to sitting here with a master's degree the owner of a sober living house, the owner of High Desert Counseling. Talk to me. There, there had to be a, a, there's got to be some stories in that whole transition. There are some stories. First off, I didn't, didn't finish the master's degree because the wife went on and uh, oh. got that. So I did, and I'm more of an administrator. So um, anyway, so there's that. I'm sure That's, you learned a heck of a lot, though, that helps you today, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, like I told you before. The wife, though. Hold on a minute. So I know Allie. Okay. okay. Where does the wife come into play? So we met at the U. Okay. Yeah. And uh, smoking hot and just couldn't keep my eyes off her. And we started dating and a few years later we were married. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So that's when the self-sacrifice came along and you're like, okay, babe, you go ahead. Yep. You get the masters. Yep. 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 All right. I get it now. Yep. So that was, that was kind of cool. So we make a pretty good team. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys, I, I mean, I follow, you know, I'm friends with both of you on social media and stuff. You guys seem like you are a happy couple. Yeah. yeah. Happy for you both. Yeah, thank you. Yep. All right. So this journey. Um, so a lot of the, uh, the traits and things that I possess that have really, um, hindered me, I've, I've really been able to, um, use them in positive ways. Um, like I told you before, I mean, I have a hard time with no, you know, you tell me, no, I'm going to figure out a way. And, uh, you know, what we call that <laughs> what oppositional defiance. Uh, yeah, you got a yeah, little oppositional yeah, defiance. Yeah. That's a, good a though. Lot. <laughs> Some of the, sometimes that can be healthy, yeah, right? Yeah. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no. Um, I guess the biggest, the biggest thing was once, once I started going to school and learning a little bit, um, I was actually disappointed with, um, all of the, energy and effort that goes into people, single, single people, and then groups of people, and then the outcomes that we were getting. So we put a lot of energy into to helping, but our outcomes are kind of piss poor. And that really drove me from the very beginning. So I went, you know, deep dive into why, a lot of the whys and um, hows and, you know, on the micro and the macro scale to try to really understand, you know, what, what is really going on out there. And just to break it down for people that don't understand what you're talking about, there's like an 80 to 88% 
failure rate, quote, I'm going to say, quote unquote, failure rate. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Like just the overall success yeah. isn't that great yeah. when it comes to, to treatment. And I got some thoughts around that, but I'm not going to yeah. share them right now. So, okay. That's what you're talking People coming about. in out of treatment constantly, but then we continue to recommend the same thing over and over, just all that kind of stuff. Okay. And so then what just, do the deep dives look like? What do you mean when you say you did deep dives? <sighs> Uh, so, you know, just my own research, okay. you know, I, I love to learn from people around me, but I also like to trial and error a lot of things. So, um, you know, my experience has been, um, you know, working, you know, my, my first setting was just a youth facility. I learned a lot, but I was just, I could never really settle with that. I'm just, I'm just somebody that always thinks a little bit more and a little bit further. And, uh, I just wasn't, I, I needed more. Mm -hmm. I needed more. So, um, actually, uh, the Lionsgate, you know, today wasn't the Lionsgate that started Russ, Russ and I opened that up back in the day. And that was my real big, um, you know, administrative push to, to learn kind of the inner workings of, you know, how, how these organizations are licensed and run and how things are implemented. And, um, so since then, you know, I've, I've owned a few programs, I've uh, ran a few programs and I've contracted with several people to try to get licensing or, or policy or um, training of sorts or credentialing. And um, I, I just was still left with this, the same taste in my mouth of, man, you peel back the name and I'm general, generally speaking, but I felt like you peel back the name and a, a few layers and a lot of people we're kind of doing the same thing, which I'm glad, I'm glad people are there, but you know, where's the uniqueness, where's the approaches, where's the, where's the study and the outcomes of really trying to focus on how people are getting better. You know, I was kind of getting tired of people getting cured when their insurance policy ran out. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot of people getting cured when yeah. their insurance policy was running out. And so I just, it just never, I didn't like it. And I actually kind of took a hiatus from the treatment field, and uh, that's what led me to sober living. Um, so you felt like the kind of cookie-cutter model, I'm trying to ad-lib of what you're saying, the cookie-cutter yeah. model frustrated you because you, you felt like people weren't being unique. It was like, you know, their off-brand of Coca-Cola. I just think I just didn't think people were getting better. That's okay. all. I mean, for the most part, there, there was these onesie twosies that were pulling out. You know, one out of ten. But that, but we have some highly skilled people like yourself and and others that they're putting a lot of attention and energy into people. We should be having better success, and we weren't. And I think a big portion of that to roll into what you're about to get into is, it's. When they go to a 3.5 level of care, right, residential, mm -hmm. they are in a safe and a secure and a structured environment. Oftentimes, though, they return back once they leave there. It's like if I took a tree, if I had a tree that was dying in my front yard, okay? Yeah. And I took it and I transplanted it into my backyard around other trees that are getting healthy, prospering, growing, right? All of a sudden, you know, it's starting to bud. It's starting to grow again. It's beautiful. Why would I dig that tree back up now that it's growing and healthy and flourishing right. and put it back in the same spot that it was dying in? Right. But that's what oftentimes people yeah. end up having to do. Right. And that's why sober living is so important yeah. is because then you have that transition period between residential and outpatient yeah. where they're still, they can come and go as they please, yeah. but they're still in some kind of safe, structured, monitored environment. Because yeah. we both know, Mike, there's no cure for, there's no magic cure for this. Yeah. There's no magic modality for this. It's time, it's attention, it's safety, it's structure. It's all those little things every day. It's accumulative. Yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just, it's practice and it's practical over a, a long period of time. Yeah. And the majority of people, when they, when the, those success rates, that 88 to 88% that we're talking about of failure rates, it happens when they move down to that lower level of care. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, the Access Foundation, the sober living houses that, that you're running are, man, I remember when I first called you because I was trying to get a guy into a sober living place before I even worked it in this industry. That might be a lie. I may have been a tech at the time, but, but it was just like, they're so important, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I just think that more is not more in my mind. Less is more. Pe people like us, I think, have what we need to be successful. And I think we're missing the basic hierarchy of needs. And one of those, those needs is environment. 
you know, so, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people and, you know, and I ask them questions and they, you know, why, why are you where you're at? Why, why do you do what you do? Well, I love to help people. And I think that was my answer in the beginning too, but it's, it's quickly evolved into, um, you know, I'm, I do what I do because, um, I, I, I want to create the environment so people can help themselves. Okay. And, and because not only is that going to help that person, but it's going to help everybody around them. And that's where we can really accelerate the growth. And that's where we can really see outcomes. So in the housing sector, it's less is more. I mean, I'm finding way better success rates. And again, I'm not, I'm not discrediting treatment because I think there's a place where somebody crosses a threshold where they need that support and that level of care. But for, for a lot of people that have uh, recycled through over and over, they just need a safe environment to practice what they've already, what they already know. Yeah. So, so, you know, Robert Downey Jr. that's been to 12 different rehabs, maybe necessarily doesn't need a 13th rehab, right? right. He needs a safe structured environment where he can practice the coping skills that he's learned. Right. Those 12 other stays in real life. Right. Exactly. So less is more. I really think so. So we, we really try, um, my whole filter is just how do I make things as practical as possible so it can exceed beyond, you know, the walls. You know, because I can only give you so much, but if it, if you can't use it and take it with you, I mean, it's it's useless. Absolutely. Let's let's uh, let's dig into that. What does that look like? Oh man. So you know, I think I think for me, it's it's all about asking good questions. I mean, it's all about asking good questions and setting up people, you know, so they can really push themselves into a crossroad to make decisions. Because people like myself suffer from indecisiveness. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't want to go back where I came from. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I'm quickly going to say, I don't know, what have you tried? You know, no, nothing or this. Well, how does it go? You know, how's it, has it worked? And, uh, you know, through that, just asking questions, they learn to develop a skill to, to make decisions. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this is, you know, we've, tur- we've turned antisocial and systemized because we've been all the program programs that we've been to. So we're used to having people tell us what to do and, and then following suit. So when you, when you, when you're really ambiguous, people dismantle in a good way so they can learn how to make decisions. Then once you can make decisions, you can look at, was that a good decision or not a good decision? Because when it doesn't come from me, I have somewhere to blame or someone to blame, you know? So the responsibility of that doesn't, doesn't add up. So again, I'm trying to quantify, I know I'm trying, you know, it, sometimes it, it gets a little, it gets a little complicated, but I'm really trying to quantify what, how we treat how we treat individuals. And you're talking about self-efficacy. I'm totally yeah. there with you. Yep. In fact, I, I love everything you're saying. I, I was watching a documentary, uh, I don't know, within the last week or two, and it was talking about how kids nowadays, everything's so structured and everything's so systematic and they go from school to dance to, right? Like it's just, they don't have any time, just create creative, free, yeah. uh, they are relying on somebody else to tell them what to do. Yeah. And then when they get to be adult ages, if they fall out of school or they don't have it, they don't know what to do because they, they're so, they haven't ever developed that self-efficacy. Yeah. 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 Well, and the autonomy is not there anymore, you know, because we feel like we can't make decisions or are allowed to make decisions or are given permission to make decisions. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pressures out there. So I'm really, really trying to be conscious of, um, and, and trying to find a balance, obviously, I don't want, I want to make sure there's a safety net there because I don't want, I want them to learn through decision and, um, you know, if that was a good one or not a good one for their circumstance. Natural consequences. Yeah, but I don't yeah. want them to fall off the wagon. Sure. You know, sometimes I can't control that, but really have a lot of thought. I brought on a partner a few years ago and he has been a godsend, um, a statistic, global statistics masters, and also a business administration masters. And he's, I just said, Alan something's going on here I've never seen before. And it's magic. Um, help me understand this with numbers. And so that's been really fun to, to kind of experiment and really look at what, what's happening. And I believe with sober living done right, it, it is the missing piece for those of us that have been through the system over and over and over again. So I think, I think it's the ticket. I really do. And I don't mean to call you on the spot, but so statistically, what is, what is your 
at the Access Foundation, your sober living houses look like? So there, I, I would, it's there's safe a, to say you guys ran some numbers. Oh, yeah. So we do it every January. We run an analysis. But we, we focus on a few things. Employment's one. So we, we picked one huge driver, you know, because employment's just more than a paycheck. Oh, especially sure. for people like us. And so it's all the things, right? And so we've had over 500 people over the years come through the sober living homes. And w- over those people, we maybe have had nine, eight or nine that haven't gotten a full-time job within 30 days and maintained that. That doesn't mean they got another job or a different job, but maintained in full-time employment. Right, right. I mean, that's huge, uh, you know, in the in the positive consequences of that. And um, it also helps that in Southern Utah, St. George specifically, we're one of the fastest growing states in the United States. Yeah. There is not a single place out there that does not have a now hiring sign. Yeah, exactly. We have... Um, I think uh, in January, we ran about 81% of the people that were with us um, uh, did not relapse with us. And our average length of stay is almost a year. Say that one more time. So 81% of the people that stay with us do not relapse. Those that do, uh, there's a, a 60, 60 to 65% chance that when they do come back, that they then stay sober. Our other effort is is relapse. We try to normalize it. We try to normalize it because we know what it does to us. I, you know, and what that looks like. First of all, those numbers are amazing. Amazing, amazing. They, they, they really are. We've submitted all of our stuff to the Department of Workforce Services. We're being funded by them because of the outrageous numbers that we have. Um, and it's simple. It's really simple. And I can tell you, yeah, there's some, no, you know, zero tolerance things, you know, to keep the place safe. Don't use, oh, absolutely. you know, you the, can't be a danger to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, have a job, pay your rent, curfew, you know, just those few things c- communicate with your housemates. Other than that, I tell you, these guys and gals are doing the deal at, at, at the foundation. And I mean, you could walk in, I never tell them when I'm showing up, you could walk in anytime and the houses are immaculate. The, um, it's just, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it before. So we're stoked. We're, we have plans. And a lot of that is ran by the, the individuals, right? So yeah. I, I went for a brief period of time before we all got kicked out. I went to a halfway house, right? Yeah. And I'm telling you, it was the guys in the house. Like if you didn't do your dish... Oh man, yeah. you did not want yeah. it, right? Like yeah. there was a rude awakening. Yeah. If you didn't do your daily chore, yeah. oh boy, you yeah. didn't last long. Right, right. Because you were going to hate it there because right. everybody was going to hound you. Right, right. And when you have that kind of accountability culture, it teaches you how to be accountable in other areas of yeah. your life. Right. It's just practical, man. That's just the bottom line. I can use that anywhere. That's I can cool. use it anywhere. And you talked about normalizing relapse. You know, it, it's funny when it, whenever I have a client now, depending, right. I, I'm kind of a three strikes rule guy. I hope, I hope my, my clients aren't listening right now, but the first time I'm, we're going to sit down, I'm going to ask you, how'd that work out for you? Mm. Did that solve the problem that you were experiencing? Did that take away the pain that you're going through? Right. We're going to, and we're going to have that conversation. The second time you're going to be written up and be put on a behavior contract because of what you said. Yeah. It's one thing to self-sabotage. It's another thing. Once you start using repetitively in, in that, hmm, the active addiction is starting to come back into your life. You're more likely to pull other people in, right? And so then if a third time comes along, we just got to refer you to a different place. Yeah, you need yeah. some type of wake-up call. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm, I'm like a three-strike yeah. rule type of guy. But the first couple times, I do try to normalize it. I do try to, let's talk about it. Yeah, you know? you're right, right. To me, it's what's the big deal? <laughs> You know, mistakes come in all different shapes and sizes. What's the big deal? You know, and when you take the power out of it, I mean, just like you're saying, I mean, it, it can't really go anywhere else. And then I think you have, for the most part, a captive audience to where you can get in there and do some work with them. I think, too, a reason, the difference in my mind between a lapse and a relapse, and again, if you disagree with this, please, I'd love to have the conversation. You know, if somebody has a lapse, a one-time use, and especially if they can get honest with it, Sometimes I've seen people learn and grow and start to take it way more serious after that. If you shame somebody, right? If you sit them down and, oh my gosh, you're just not getting this and you're a failure and and you pile on the shame, it's going to turn into an actual relapse where they're repeatedly using, right? Because, because now I'm a terrible person for the mistake I made. Mm. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, again, I think taking all of that out and separating, 
you know, the guilt and the shame for sure. And these guys are smart. We're smart people, you know, in, in sometime in tough, tough situations. So it's, Hey, it's all right. What's going on? What can I do to help you? You know, what do you have in front of you that you got to face now? You know, let's work through that. Okay. Here's your, again, they know what to do. You set them up for success the next time. If they, if they do it, rock and roll, if they don't, we're back at it again. And I agree. Once we get a pattern going, we look at it a lot differently. Yeah. You got to start taking some other things into into consideration. Listen, Mike, it has been fantastic having you come on here, dude. Yeah. We might have to do another one. We could talk, we could sit and spit about. I'm a geek, man. I love, I love this. I love how it works, but I'm just a normal guy. But what makes me great is, is the people around me and my, my wife, especially. Hey man, that that's the key right there. The people you surround yourself with. Right. So in the, in this last minute, if, if our listeners have been listening to this, how can they find you? You know, talk to us a little about if they have somebody that, you know, that they need, are interested in getting into high desert counseling, where can they get that information? Um, high desert counseling, um, uh, is an outpatient uh, substance abuse treatment center. It's progressive. It's practical. Just high help H E L P. You can find us on there. Um, it's super simple. And then access foundation is sober help. So, you know what I love about this whole thing? I'm a steps guy, work for steps. You got your own treatment center. And this just goes to show like working together is the key, right? We need you here. We need everybody here. We need everybody to step it up though and, and, and do a great job. When I put out the flyer that you were, or the promo that you were coming on, one of the first people that shot me a text was Ty Hansen. He's like, Uh. you're going to love Mike. Mike's, (laughs) Mike's awesome. So he's a good dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Please like comment, share, uh, join us next week. Next week is going to be on a Wednesday for episode 87. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.